Welcome to episode 151 of The Space In Between. I am your host, Phoebe Leona. And as I'm recording this, we are just coming to end a very, very special event that I am so very proud of in so many different ways, and particularly because of this one person you're going to hear from in just a moment, Leah. I'll talk a little bit about Leah in just a second, but we're coming off of the Reimagining Embodied Leadership Summit. If you didn't participate in it, don't worry, there's still a little bit of time, but let me just explain a little bit about this if you weren't able to enjoy this transformative experience. So we hosted a week-long summit, actually it ended up being 10 days, at the Nomad Collective, where we brought 30 embodied leaders. And when I speak into embodied leaders, I mean these leaders who truly walk their talk. They embody what they speak into, how they lead, their own emotional journey, they're transparent in it, they own it, they use it as a as a way to become better leaders and more empathetic leaders. So we have these leaders from the military community, the business communities, spiritual communities, arts, healing arts, psychiatry, therapy. Oh my goodness. It's so diverse. It's so powerful. And I am so honored that most of these people have been a part of my life in some way. Some of them I just crossed paths with, with the summit. And now I feel like I have extended my family because it's not just one of these summits where you sign up and you listen and they give you your sales pitch and and maybe you follow them or not. This is truly a transformative experience where you get to dig in deep into the questions of your own leadership. And when I speak into leadership, I'm not talking about you have to be a CEO of a big organization or lead a global movement or lead your local community. We're talking just bare bones, the leader of your own life. Because you can't lead any of those things if you're not the leader of your own life. And so how do we really truly call our power back And we talk a lot about this, like how do you call your power back? How can you integrate fully so that you can create open, safe, and inclusive spaces for yourself and for the people that you lead? And I think this is something that we really need to talk about right now because there are such big paradigm shifts happening in the world on a very collective level, on a very personal level, and anywhere in between. And so old ways of thinking and doing are crumbling. And there is a new invitation to create a whole new world. But when there's something new, when we move into this uncertain space, there can be fear. There can be fear, my friends. And so that we don't act out of fear in our fight, flight, or freeze responses and go just into survival mode and continue to create these divisions, create these dualistic thinking and having to align with tribes 
we have an invitation right now to really lean in from a space of thriving, from a space of curiosity and creativity to co-create this new world. And so these are the conversations we're having at the Reimagining Embodied Leadership Summit that you can still get to be a part of for a fee. We had that free for that week, but now we are releasing them for a fee. So you can follow the link in the show notes to to get take advantage of that for a fall, for a very small minimal fee for the amount of content that you get 30 30 minute to an hour interviews from these people as well as a few live sessions that I hold and another couple of live sessions with some of these embodied leaders to go deeper into these these inquiries and these conversations so I highly suggest you, if you're listening, you're feeling that your heart is getting tugged, you've been asking yourself, what is happening to my life? I feel out of control. This summit is for you, my friends. If you feel alone in the role that you're playing as a leader, this summit is for you. If you're feeling overwhelmed in any kind of way and you just want to get control back of your life, again, this summit is for you. And we're giving you a little taste of it today. So Leah is a nomad guide. She has been a part of nomad, the nomad community here for at least three years now, a little bit before that, but really more formally the last three years. And she does a lot for us at the nomad collective. She is the back end of pretty much everything. She's editing this and getting this out to you all. And she's doing all the work on the emails and the website. She's making everything look good and run smoothly. So we got to sit down with Leah because she also is a powerhouse in so many other ways. We're, she is a multi-passionate human being that is just, I think she's personally great at everything she does. So we're giving you a taste of this conversation that we have in the summit. So this is one of the interviews that we feature in the summit. And we're going to share one more this month with Amy Gatzmeyer so that you can get a flavor of these conversations to lean into them, to come into this container, and perhaps even share your own voice in some way in our Nomad Collective. So I'm going to leave it there for you right now because I think that that gives you a little bit of something to sit with before you sit and hear a little bit more about Leah. So let's go ahead and sit with Leah now. Oh my goodness, Leah. I'm so happy you're here with me. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. You're so welcome. And you know, You've been here this whole time. (laughs) You're probably, by the time that people are listening, you're going to be, I think, one of the last days, but you have been here this whole time in the ether, just in case everybody doesn't know that you have been the kind of, I'm the voice. (laughs) I'm the, the man you see, the magical experience in the front, but you're like the person behind the scenes doing everything. So thank you for that. I just want to acknowledge that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I've been asking this to everyone and you can interpret it however you want, but who are you right now and what are you offering the world? Oh, well, I think starting with the, 
roles, I have many hats, one of them being here in Nomad and working behind the scenes and um, being a virtual assistant in that way and with other clients in the yoga and wellness space. Um, I'm also a yoga and movement 109 facilitator. Um, So kind of put that under the umbrella of embodied movement um, facilitator. I am also a birth worker in training, um, dance teacher. Um, what else? I'm a human. I'm a friend, a sister, a partner, all, all, all of the above. But um, I think at the core, I'm just someone who is just leading with curiosity within my life. And um, yeah, and I think you definitely see that with the many, many hats that I wear. So yeah. Yes. Some say you might even be a multi-passionate leader. Yes. Some may say. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, you do, you play so many hats and I'm curious to know, like, as you said, you lead with that space of curiosity. Were you always like that? Yes. Okay. Yes, I definitely was. And I was always, I remember being younger and a lot of kids when they're little are always very inquisitive and ask the why and the how, but at least from how my family members described it, I was just especially inquisitive. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I, I found that like I get really excited about learning. And so um, I've always been a really excited student. And once I um, learn something and it lights me up in a way I have to go all in and learn more. And, uh, as the years have went on, I would like learn more and then it becomes, um, an add on to the hyphenated, (laughs) like, uh, I guess title of who I am and, and, it was something I used to be really, I guess, ashamed about in a lot of ways. Um, I think a lot of people who think of like multi-passionate people, they're like not focused or, you know, they're, you know, wishy-washy and all of that. But I found it to be something like one of my favorite qualities about myself. It keeps life exciting. And um, yeah, so I think so, I would say. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you listed so many roles and I want to, just in case people aren't familiar and they're not seeing you visually, you're, I think you, I can easily say you're the youngest leader in this group by far. I always find myself in these nomad spaces being the youngest, so probably. (laughs) Yes, but you have so many years of wisdom um, with you, but I love that you have been able to somehow embody all of these different roles that you've been able to at such a young age and you're, well, we'll not put your age out there if you don't want to, but you're in your twenties. And, um, and I'm just curious to know, like what you were saying about the commitment and the wishy-washy, like, what does that look like for you in that you're able to, um, commit, like you feel committed to these different paths you're taking? Yeah, I for me, it always starts, I don't really think about it as like, it may be like a commitment, like something I have to do or like I need mm-hmm. or yeah, or like I should do, so to speak. Yeah. Um, 
it, it all just is organically unfolds. Like I just make a connection with people or with um, a topic or whatever it may be. And it, it's a visceral feeling. Um, we're somatic movement facilitators here. So for me, I feel it um, definitely like in my gut, in our place of action in that solar plexus. And I'm just, I feel called. Mm. In ways. Um, and for most people that calling is sometimes just one thing. And I feel like, um, I don't know, I'd ever like to be put in a box and uh, I'm sure maybe we'll talk about it um, as the interview goes on. Uh, but I want, when I really sit down and think about the life that I want to create for myself and I guess lead in my life in that way, it's to be as expansive as possible. Mm -hmm. And um, even though the world isn't made for us to all be expansive and whatever that means to you, I, I've been leading my life in that way of just, you know, really embracing it and embodying that expansiveness. And oftentimes that looks like a lot of different um, passions and a lot of different jobs, so to speak. Um, and yeah, and so it's a calling more so than like, I feel like commitment is, a, it, it feels a little heavier than just, I, I feel more at ease when I'm able to be as expansive as possible, if that makes sense. Yeah, I do. It makes sense to me. And I definitely want to dig in a little bit deeper for people who maybe don't fully understand like the idea of like that visceral response. And so could you kind of speak into like for your experience, like when you said, I feel it in my gut, like, what does that, what does that feel like for you? Mm. Well, I, I'll use birth work, for example. So birth work or doula works so are supporting, um, physically and emotionally supporting a person throughout their reproductive journey. Oftentimes people see that as, um, like labor support when someone's having a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was introduced to that world um, through yoga during my teacher training, my yoga teacher training with Euphoebe, and we had a prenatal yoga session. And I remember in the class and the prenatal yoga section was only a day or two. And I remember sitting in like a lecture and just, I rem- so in, for me, it was just like, I just kept leaning forward. Mm. Um, towards our teacher. I had my body language was leaning forward and it, I guess I would describe it as like a butterfly feeling or just like a a tickle in my, in my, in my stomach. And, um, and I, I kept wanting to like move. And so my body was energized. My body was activated and I was engaged. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that uh, feeling within my body and I kept having questions and curious, like I was at, like the questions I had in my brain was just overflowing and outpouring. And I noticed that, that feeling taking over my body. And I was like, maybe there's something here. And I, that led to asking a teacher, um, like I thought prenatal yoga would be my jam. And I inquired more and then she told me about doula work and then I inquired more and so on and so forth. And now I'm in a training, but 
I've always led with that. I think it's that whatever feels activating in my body, that feel energized and wanting to lean in, whether maybe that's literally like my body's leaning in, or I just feel that internal intuitive pull to lean in. Um, And as a dancer, I felt really connected to that feeling. And so I've just been allowing that to take the lead. Mm, Okay. I love that. And I feel like I'm curious to know if you ever felt that same feeling of the leaning in and it just kind of taking over your body. Did you ever not listen to it? Oh yeah. And what did that, how did that transpire? What did that look like? Oh yeah. Um, and, and I love that you brought up that question because when it is a visceral feeling Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's scary And when like whatever X is that you might be leaning into, so to speak, there also is an element of an unknown and an uncertainty. And that's really scary. And it could be for a lot of people. And so I've definitely felt that in a lot of ways. And when I don't listen to my body um, or lean into that curiosity I've missed out on a lot of opportunities because of that. Um, I've, hmm, yeah, it's mostly like I've I've just seen that like, oh, like that could have also brought me joy and I didn't allow myself to receive that joy for whatever reason that may be at the moment. Mm. And, and I, and I think a lot of people can relate to that in terms of you know, you feel, you feel a little excited about something and whether you feel like you don't deserve it or, um, fear is in the way, um, we kind of shut down the body and not listen to it. Uh, and we deny ourselves from maybe something that could possibly be joyful or bring, or bring more, um, maybe not bring more, but make our life a little bit more expansive in a way that, um, we never thought we, we never thought we could imagine. And yeah. Yeah. I, I have been there as well. Like not being able like to feel that it can be so overwhelming. That feeling of expansion can also feel like you kind of speak to, spoke into it of like anxiety and we can't discern which it is at some point. And then there's that, we go into that fight, flight or freeze mode and oh my goodness. Yeah. I've totally been there. And I would, can you kind of speak into that? Cause I know you and I have talked offline about that, like this idea of freezing because you want everything to be kind of perfect and, and not ending up doing anything with, so can you kind of speak into that a little bit? Like, what is that? What does that look like when you're in yeah. those places? Yeah. Um, well, for me, one of the roles, like uh, the overarching of my roles is an entrepreneur at the mm-hmm. end of the day, solopreneur, whatever you want to call it. And um, the cliche saying is the hardest thing is starting, mm-hmm. just starting, whatever it may be. And so I've definitely have felt that fear come in when um, I start 
you know, the website's going, or I have, I'm so excited about this idea and I have the website going, I have all the back end, I have all these ideas going in. And then when it's time to actually, you know, take the next step forward and um, in my case, maybe offer a class or whatever it may be. I get so wrapped up in wanting it to really be a value to folks. Like I, I, for me personally, I don't know if, if that resonates with you, Phoebe, or anyone who's listening. It's, you know, if you're really passionate about something and, and your work is also tied to supporting folks and, you know, you get into whatever it is because you want to serve your community there is like a level of pressure feeling like I hope this actually makes an impact and serves my community in the best way possible. And, and so with that said, like for me, because that pressure has felt so big, I've not started or I've not pressed send or I've not done X, Y, and Z. And, and that's a really hard pill to swallow when you're so passionate about something and do you feel like you know it does bring value but then there's also that piece of fear that comes in and that imposter syndrome sleeps in and it's just like pulls you back and so yeah it's something I'm still working through but I I've also come to a space where I'm like release that you know surrender Mm -hmm. let it go and you you don't need to get it right the first time. And that's the beautiful part about serving community is that you have to include community and mm-hmm. they will let you know. <laughs> um, they will let you know what needs, what, like how like they will let you know and give you um, feedback and y'all can grow together. And that's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, frozen, frozen in fear from this idea of perfection is it's a lot. And I feel like it gets in a lot, it gets in the way of, for a lot of folks, but especially those who are, I guess, entrepreneurs or like leaders, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I thank you for saying that because I think sometimes when I was coming up with this idea for the summit and I was thinking, you know, some people who have their own business who are sole solopreneurs they might not identify as a leader because it's like, oh, it's just me doing my thing, running my business and I have my clients or my students or whatever that looks like. But it is, it's like you're leading that that business or that mission to help other people, even if you are the solo worker doing it, doing the thing. And and I really appreciate you talking about the perfection and that like how it keeps you in that frozen space because I definitely feel... I've, I've had my moments as well. And, and, you know, cause you work with me now, I'm just kind of like, I'm just throwing everything out there and just see what lands. I mean, I think we had it probably a year, maybe two of like, I just said, let's just throw like a whole bunch of shit against the wall mm-hmm. and just see what lands and see what happens because we, you, you and I both, I mean, you're co-creating with me, um, that it's like we have something that we know that we really want to help this world and make a big impact. And it's like, sometimes we don't know how it's going to land and, and what it's, you know, the package, it's really all the same stuff, 
but it's just a matter of like, how are we packaging this so people can see it and connect with it and feel safe to go there because the work that we're doing, um, at least in the container you and I are, and I know you are in other containers too, you're going really, really deep. I mean, you're literally helping people bring a life into this world, (laughs) which it feels like magic, even though it happens every day, that is magic. You are leading someone to like bring life into this world in a lot of ways. So, um, I I really appreciate that conversation because I don't know if it's a conversation we've had so much in this, in this, uh, container of the summit yet of this idea of perfection and and how it freezes us. Yeah, no. And and it's something I deeply resonate. I know just because you and I, we both have backgrounds as dancers Mm -hmm. Um, and, and those spaces I've, that's kind of where it started at, at least for me. Um, just there are times in those like studio spaces or performance spaces where you are so deeply focused on perfection. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, you know, your teacher has an idea of what perfection is when there's actually no, <laughs> there's no end to like what perfection is in dance, but then it seems like your teacher or whoever has some sort of measure mm-hmm. and it's, yeah, that's a whole wild space and container to like explore those feelings in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really interesting seeing that piece and that part of my life kind of be carried in um, to other spaces as I get older. And, and but the beautiful part is that I've been able to also unpack and uh, reflect on on those feelings as they come up and knowing where they started from is maybe in that dance space and knowing that I can create something different, especially because now I teach, uh, I teach dance and I have young students and I was in their space, in their place. And, um, and to know that myself and I guess this next generation of teachers can make different choices and, I I've been really excited um, about that to make dance a little bit more accessible, hopefully a lot more accessible um, and also just create a more fun, nurturing environment that maybe you and I didn't experience all the time when we were coming up. So, so yeah, I just wanted to add that. So, yeah. Do you mind if I share a quick story? Cause that feels so significant what you shared. Cause it was a huge, it was a huge lesson for me. So, you know, we also had Dante Paleo in the summit and we went to college together and he also spoke of this. Like, I love what you were just speaking into of being the leader that maybe you didn't have in those spaces of dance, because we were, we were talking a lot about that as well, because I absolutely love dance. I have no regret that that was my path. You know, you and I just came out of the womb dancing And um, there was no doubt about it, but that world has been very, very dysfunctional. But I will say I learned some really, really amazing lessons in the dysfunction um, in the dance world, as well as my personal life um, growing up. But 
there's this one teacher that I had in college. I won't say his name, but if Dante's listening to this, he'll probably know. He was an egomaniac. Um, he was very much like the, you know, he was that narcissist, like everything had to be perfect. You'd rehearse, you'd rehearse, you rehearse. Everything had to be perfect. There was one time and I was the same size I am now, probably skinnier. But one time I, you know, messed up the, something during the um, the spacing, the tech rehearsal. And he said, get off the stage, you horrible elephant. Oh. <laughs> I was just like, wait, is he talking to me? Like I was, I was kind of laughing because mm-hmm. I was like, but I was deeply, deeply hurt. Cause I was like, first of all, I am not an elephant. Um, but I, I was also took that as like, okay, the perfectionism, right. He was such a perfectionist. I was also perfectionist. I wasn't living up to either of our, our, um, expectations. And then I'm like building up this anxiety and then the performance, I messed up like the smallest little thing. But I, but I was mortified and I was waiting for him in the lobby, like expecting him to just rip me a new one. And he came and he's like, you were amazing. He gave me this big hug and I was like, wait, what the hell? <laughs> and I, and I like, I remember crying and saying, I messed that step up. And blah, blah. it was like, it's just a performance. And there was something really beautiful about that was like, yes, we want to show up. We want to do our best. We perfect, we perfect, we perfect. But in the end, when we go out there in life and performance, like it's, it's magic. Like it, it happens or it doesn't happen. And to just kind of let go of the expectation and just know that you did do your best to get there. So that's something that I've carried along the way when I find those moments of like the perfectionism, like, yeah, okay. That means I really care. I want to like live up to my, my expectations and the community that I'm leading, but in the end, we're just going to have fun. (laughs) Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. And and I'm sorry that that teacher said that to you. I, I like deeply felt that because I was like, I've seen that and felt that. Um, but yeah, no. And and I think, yeah, there's also a lot of paradoxes within dance too. We get like that one end of the spectrum of a lesson, but then also we get another end of a lesson of just like you at some point you have to give it to the audience. Mm-hmm. And my, one of my, my teacher used to tell me and, you know, the dancers growing up was, um, we would rehearse, you know, for months and months and we would get to, um, the performance and, and as much of a perfectionist she was, and, um, she would always be like, and now let it go Mm -hmm. and give, and, and give it to the audience. It's a gift to the audience. Mm And so I, I think about that every time, like I get kind of wrapped up when I'm teaching (laughs) and I'm like, it's not about me. I give it to my students. Mm. That feels so like the integration of the masculine and the feminine, right? Like that structure and form of the masculine of, of doing the thing and making sure all of the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. But then that giving to the audience is that deep surrender into that more feminine energy, which I think, you know, this is a thread that's been coming through a lot of these conversations in the summit is this, this integration, because I think 
you and I have lived in this world of dance has a lot of that that integration, but more, I would say more in the feminine a lot in some ways, like that we're surrendering to that mystery. We're, we're constantly giving ourselves to something bigger than ourselves as performers, as artists, but in the, you know, Western world, primarily um, there's a lot more like masculine energy of strategy and problem solving. And this quote, I don't think I shared it with you, but my mom gave me this quote for my birthday and I've, it's just been humming and it's life is not a problems to solve but a mystery to live. And it's a Nietzsche quote. Um, And it feels like that's what's this paradigm that's shifting right now is that, yeah, there are problems to solve, but that's not really what we're doing here is we're really leaning into this mystery. And it's time to kind of lean into more of this feminine, as we call the divine feminine energy and surrender and explore the mystery. Yeah, no, and I love that. And to your point of, I feel like we can solve those big problems by leaning into the unknown and leading into the mystery. And, um, and yeah, I feel like we, we've been doing certain things the same way for so long and seeing, um, like new leaders come in and be disruptors Mm-hmm. Not in those spaces and whatever those spaces may be and, um, you know, offer up new ideas, new possibilities. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is in the unknown, but imagine what problems we can fix in the world um, if we leaned into that, right? I mean, depending what that looks like, but, um, and I think that's been what's been really new and exciting seeing in terms of leaders in many different spaces is, um, just people who are disruptors in ways that are having all of us collectively think about new ways of moving in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of those new ways to move involve less of the individual and more of the collective in the community. Yeah. And I feel like that really, we move more and move further. Um, and from that space versus um, from that very Western idea of individualism. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, I feel this this community that we've created is very much like I keep seeing all of us like holding hands, not just <laughs> the speakers that have been here, but everybody who's listening to this now and continues to come in as this is being shared more and more. I just keep seeing the circle getting wider and wider and the hands being held. It's... um. I don't think you were, I don't even think you were alive, but like, <laughs> there was like a Coke commercial. No, was it? No, Hands Across America. That was a thing. Do you remember? Do you have any idea of what I'm talking about? There was a thing called Hands Across America when I was a kid. I do. Um, only because it was in, a reference, in, a, in reference in a movie that came out recently. That oh, I, really? Oh, what yeah. was the movie? Um, it was a Jordan Peele movie. Us. Yeah. I think that's us. Okay. (laughs) That's funny. But yeah. And I think they did like a Coke commercial that was like a nod to it. I don't remember. Anyways, little side (laughs) to the side. Um, yeah. So 
when I was listening to you too, and we we're talking about this, I was thinking, oh my gosh, yeah, Leah, you were totally in this idea of like the mystery, like being a doula in the movement, movement and somatic worlds, like even in like, but then you also balance it out with this BA stuff, right? <laughs> Being this, I call you the spreadsheet queen. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of curious because it feels like you have this really nice balance of the two. Do you ever struggle with, because I definitely do, but do you ever struggle with like wanting to be in one of those places and live there a little bit more or do you feel quite balanced? Um, no, I do not feel balanced ever, Phoebe. <laughs> but um, I... I think what's so interesting is growing up, I definitely was in that space of, um, of flow. And I think we all kind of start from there, most of us. Right. And, um, and then when you ask too many questions and when your ideas are maybe a little too out there or not conventional, Mm -hmm. uh, the world will tell you really quickly that that's not what they are looking for for you. And, um, and so from, from there, I've, I've been really leaning into that really logical (laughs) mind, which has been really great for a lot of admin stuff. So a lot of the backend stuff in terms of being an entrepreneur, um, has been quite, I guess, natural for me in a way that I, I've been able to pick things up and, and learn as I go and, um, learn from other people. Um, but I've been finding myself more and more just being called to lean into that curiosity, lean into that, into surrendering into that mystery of what is possible. Mm -hmm. And I think about like my favorite qualities of a leader, um, is really someone who, who has like the foresight and like the vi- and a vision that is grounded, mm-hmm. um, but also isn't limited. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've definitely seen that with you, Phoebe. Um, you you dream big and mm-hmm. far and wide and expansive, and it's just like, how the hell are we going to do that? Um, <laughs> but it's it's grounded. There is a there's a sense of um, that this is what people are needing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's a point for lack of a better words to it. Um, not that there needs to always be one, but I just love that balance between the two. And so, because I've been in such a logical kind of VA space, I've been really enjoying exploring what that looks like to surrender again mm-hmm. and let go again. And especially in in the work that I do and also going to be doing, especially with birth work is that it is very clear that you cannot control everything mm-hmm. as, as type a, as I can be. Um, it's been a beautiful lesson kind of uh, combating that. Um, and so, and so, yeah, you can't control everything and mm-hmm. uh, as hard of a pill to swallow as that is. Um, it's also been really liberating, uh, meeting that, um, meeting, meeting that where I'm at. So, yeah. Oh yeah. A couple images that came in when you were speaking was like the bird's eye view of like that vision 
of seeing the biggest picture and then having to zoom in and my, you know, not, I hate the word micromanage, but like know all of the little interworkings and all the details to get us to that step. But then um, what I was also kind of seeing you is like, like, which way, where am I? How do I fit into this? And it's that surrender of both. And I was just seeing you kind of meet in the middle yeah. in your heart and I was meeting in your heart space. And yeah, it was, just, it was really beautiful to, to feel, feel that for you. I don't know if you feel it, but like, I, I feel that deeply for you because what you were speaking into was like, you were this beautiful and curious, inquisitive child who was like asking all these questions. And then I saw like a little bit of the conditioning and you putting yourself in the box as you referred to earlier of, okay, let me do this and um, tapped into your type A side, right? And ah, this is how I'll function in the world. But then there's something that you're just, your heart has been calling you like, no, doula work, somatic work, yoga, these are other things that will help you tap into it. And it feels like it does feel like there's an integration for you. Um, if you're not feeling it now, I feel definitely feel it's coming for you. I do. And I remember when, you know, even from dance to the jump from dance to like yoga in the somatic world, that wasn't a huge jump. <laughs> But then I added VA work and I was like, okay, that's like my practical, so to speak, jump like that works out. And then I added birth work onto that and it just felt like it came out of left field. Mm. But, but really it's the more I've just continued just doing what I'm doing and loving what I'm doing and all of the things um, I'm seeing more and more um, it being weaved and integrated and also the lessons and I, my, I feel like life has been giving me the same kind of like prompt questions (laughs) throughout my life Mm -hmm. and they keep coming up in these spaces. And so it's been beautiful um, having different avenues to explore those different parts of myself in. And at the end of the day, it's, it's just, it it leads me to be free. Mm -hmm my spirit to be free, to be as expansive as possible. And in ways, just remember who I was before the conditioning. And that's also been a part of my journey, this idea of remembering. Um, yeah. Oh, that that really speaks to my heart. Cause I feel that's one of the reasons why I felt called to hold this space was for the recovering type A's out there <laughs> who have been listening to their heart, but not quite sure how to go about doing it. Um, especially if they're already in a role of taking care of other people, whether that be in their family or their business or a movement, uh, you know, in their local community or on a global level, but like, oh gosh, am I going to kind of veer them off if I'm following my heart? And, and it, just like, I really want people to know you can still do what you're doing, but just more in this beautiful woven way, like you spoke into. Yes. And I think that nomad is, is evidence of that. I mean, our community is small, but mighty. And we have this really beautiful balance of like the right and the left brain or that masculine feminine kind of, you know, we have a lot of people from the military who are veterans and they bring a lot of that, like you know, wisdom and knowledge of, you know, strategy. And I always joke that like dancers and military were the same. 
yes. from yeah. the same cloth. Yes. We, we have that, like we, we went into it of service, right? We went into it of serving others. We, you and I went into it of dance to like give ourselves energetically over to an audience. They went into like actually perhaps give their life to their country, but we all came from that heart space, but there were the, the logistics and the, like, you know, the training and the discipline of showing up and the strategies that we had to take to do that. And somewhere along the way, we could have gotten disconnected from our heart and why we did, we did that. And so I think that in our community, we're all, the word you just came through was so strong, was that remembering. And we get to remember for ourselves individually, but then with each other and to see we're all the same. And we're, it's it's beyond military and dance. I'm just using that as an example because that's a strong part of our community. But there's so many of us who are, we'll call the recovering type A's, who are really leaning into that more mysterious space. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and just a shameless plug of the nomad community a little bit. Um, but I just love, I loved that we've been able to, well, you kind of started that as a leader, you've been able to really hold space for all of us to remember. And I've, really enjoyed um, seeing our community grow and expand. And we have so many different people from all different backgrounds and walks of life. And as you said, we all kind of come together in this space to remember, mm-hmm. no matter what we're doing, it is at the core of it um, in service to our communities. And yeah, sometimes when you're in the hustle and bustle and in the labor of it all, because it is labor. Um, we forget that that's why we even started, that we forget um, maybe even within our own hearts and our own bodies um, that we're even capable of, you know, being of service in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been nice having a space like the Nomad community to um yeah, to remember, to vent, <laughs> to be in community in a way that maybe we otherwise um, don't have access to. And also with a bunch of people that you may have not thought to be in community with. Mm-hmm. And you soon find very quickly in our community that um that, yeah, that it's, it's possible <laughs> and it's, yeah. and it's beautiful. And, and I, it's something I, I know it's all virtual right now, but it's something that like, I, you don't really often see in person um, yeah. pandemic aside. And so I would love to see more of that being created. Yeah. I mean, we did start in, in person in the Hudson Valley in New York, as you know, and we have been shifting to more global because of the pandemic and, and it feels good because some of the people that started in our local community moved away from the the local community, including myself for periods of time. And so it's nice to still have that global connection, but there is always that intent of having the retreats and having local or, um, events again. So that will never go away. It just, it's not the centerpiece. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for those words. I receive them. And 
I don't want to deter from your time, but like, it just made me think, you know, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday who's going to join us Mm -hmm. in our container. She's an amazing human. I cannot wait to have her in. Um, But what it came through and what just really you confirmed it with listening to you is nomad is the sacred pause. Like, I feel like I've been trying for so long to figure out like, because everything else out there is networking and having an outcome. And now I'm just like unapologetically like, no, we're the sacred pause that, that like you said earlier, so beautifully, like in the mystery, there's the problem solving, right? Like you have to lean into the sacred pauses with your, within yourself, within the community. And then those outcomes will come like the networking, you'll resonate, you'll feel each other's energy, not just listen to the two minute elevator pitches and saying, that's the thing that I need. And not really listen to like, is that the energy I'm vibing with? You'll like be in community with people, feel it. There might be that connection to do work together. It might just be that we're holding space for each other to vent and transform it into something new for ourselves when we leave that space. So that was my side note. The nomad is the sacred pause for our leaders. And I, I agree. And, and what, and that, that interaction you just, just you just described is just being human. Mm-hmm. When you're being human, you're not giving people elevator pitches and giving your business cards and all of that. It's it's really connecting with people again. And mm-hmm. I'm also seeing people wanting more of that. Um yeah. especially because everyone's has everyone has a business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so, which is beautiful and great. And we're seeing new ideas being um, put out there. And I I love that it's becoming, you know, more accessible for folks to do that for themselves and create, create in that way. Um, But what I've been really connecting to and what I, and I see like the people who, and the leaders who are really, um, making an impact are the folks that are really focused on like not just community, but just the humanity Mm. being that at the core of what they're doing. Cause at the end of the day, that's what we're all trying to do or doing. Um, And yeah. And I see people responding to that more and craving that more. Yeah. um, and yeah, and I hope to see more of that. That's what I connect to. So, yeah, I do too. So I am curious to know, I kind of already know because I work with you, but what are some, what are some practices that you just sen- do you center yourself like on a daily? Mm-hmm. I will movement. First and foremost. <laughs> Good answer. Someday movement 109, some days <laughs> yoga. Um, some days I have I bought myself a stepper thing. Um, yes. But you no know, movement really. And it doesn't need to be this very formal ceremony, although that's always really beautiful to create for yourself. Um, but for me, sometimes it really is stepping away from a computer because like many of us, I st- I work from home and create my own schedule. So you have to create those boundaries for yourself and give yourself um, those opportunities to receive um, whatever it is that keeps you grounded and sane. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it's sometimes just like 
closing the computer a little bit and just moving my body, um, whether that's just like rolling my neck or fluttering my lips or shaking my body. Um, Making me want to move now, Leah. I know. I, 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 I'm more talk. I know. Well, like, yeah, I'm oh, doing the great too. <laughs> let me do some big rates in my solar plexus. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, movement, movement is, is the language of, of my heart. And, and so that will always be, um, the first way I express. Um, uh, I also love journaling and I do that. Um, and, and one thing that I've been thinking about too, cause I've been, I've been subbing this dance class and the, the performance is coming up and we still have a lot of work to do. And, um, oh gosh, I remember those days mm-hmm. and I find myself wanting, like getting stressed out mm-hmm. and what I want. And then the thoughts that I have and what I want to say to my students sounds very much not me, but very much my old teachers, like we've mm-hmm. talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And I catch myself in those moments and I I'm like, I need a ground here. And usually that looks like I'll be mid-sentence and my students think it thinks it's really weird, but I I know I'm doing it for their own good. <laughs> but I I will. I catch myself and I just close my eyes. I take a breath and then I'm like, I'm sorry, let's try that again. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think it's been interesting seeing like in real time, how I'm able to kind of ground myself. It's easy for me to be home alone and like, yeah, move my body or sit down and open my journal and write. but when you're really in like the thick of that big emotion that isn't always going to be appropriate or like best serve the moment, um, finding a way to just, yeah, check in with your body for a second and then take a breath. Yeah. And then, okay, let's try this again. Yeah. Okay. A couple of things like, first of all, movement, absolutely. You know, you're speaking my language, but what you said was like, that's the movement. What did you, what was the phrasing you said? Like the movement from my heart or like, as it was, I remember the phrasing that you said, but like, that was your first language, language, essentially. I, I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but it was essentially that. Right. And I, just like a reminder to everybody that that's for every, everybody. Cause I think sometimes people, you, you know, cause you're yeah. a yoga teacher, like I can't do yoga cause I can't touch my feet or I can't dance. It's like, these were your God's gifts. Like we all moved before we actually spoke mm-hmm. and we had to physically use our body to get what we wanted. Right. We reached for our mom if we wanted food or cried or like we had these expressions to get what we are our survival needs right and so I just wanted to because I because I feel like some people might be listening to you and me and like oh that's so nice that they have movement in their life it's like you do too yeah so thank you for bringing that into the space and then also thank you for talking about like real time (laughs) because I think we do you know the question I've been asking everybody is how do you center yourself 
to prepare for your day, like you said so beautifully, but also the second piece is how do you apply that in real time when you are not in a romantic situation where you have like all that time to yourself, right? Like how do you do it when your kids are probably screaming and not doing the things that you need them to do in that scenario that you said? And it's like, we tend to go into those old patterns, whether they were ours, but they were what you witnessed in your, in your um, teachers. Right. right. And so you pick that up conditionally and you also made a conscious choice. I don't want to repeat this, but we still find ourselves like, Oh crap. I'm my mom or Oh crap. I'm my dance teacher. Oh, right. Like, and thank you for bringing that in because I think that's so important to recognize if we're going to change this paradigm, we've got to recognize what wasn't working, whether we witnessed it or we were that participant with it in some way, we're the ones taking that action. And then to like really bring the awareness, like you said, like you caught yourself, you took the breath and you made a new choice. Yeah. I feel like the summit is that pause, like in the sacred pause to like notice, question, do the inquiry, do your journaling, do your movement and like make a new choice. So thanks for saying all that. Yeah, no. And also to that too, that's, it's hard. Like that second, that last example is very, very hard. And, And yeah. And the logical part of my brain is just like, cool. You got your movement, you got your yoga mat, you're drinking your tea and you're doing all the things and whatever. But then what happens when I am losing my shit? And like in public, probably. And how do I gather myself, but also honor that I'm feeling chaotic? Yeah. And and that's just been also a lesson that I've been trying to learn too. And yes, it does start with awareness, but then making that next step, that really quick next step to make a different choice is very hard. Mm-hmm. And so um I just would like to offer anyone who's listening, it's okay to make mistakes mm-hmm. and to not, you know, to not do, I guess, the best choice, whatever that looks like for you. Um, and, and yeah, and I think it's, that's been something I've been working on is just like, I, I verbally in those moments, I verbally say, I'm sorry, I'm going to make a different choice. Mm. I'm sorry. Let me try that again. Yeah. That's really hard for a lot of people to do. And it was hard for me. And, but once I've been able to kind of put that in practice, whether if it felt like really strange, like my students weren't expecting me to say those things to say, I'm sorry. And that I'm going to make a different choice. Yeah. That is not in the Western world. Like we do not hold ourselves accountable. Uh, I mean, you see that we won't go into details, but you see that in politics all the time, right? You see that in, in like big corporations, like not taking any sort of accountability. And honestly, like side note, I love, that's why I love that show, Ted Lasso. Yeah. I've never watched it. because <laughs> I haven't, but I've heard good things about Ted Lasso. But it's all about like them making these mistakes and holding themselves accountable. And that's what you're speaking into. And that's what change that's how we change right like is to catch yourself in the moment take hold yourself accountable not in like and the way that you said it like the word the way you just said i'm sorry it wasn't like victim because i've heard that before like oh i'm sorry 
oh, 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 I'm sorry. Let me try to fix it. Like you were just like so powerful when you said it. And I have no doubt that you said it like that, right? Like, I'm sorry, I did this. I'm making a new choice. Like that sounds so empowering. Even in your physical posture, you said it like so empowering. And it's like, and you can, I could just see your, your brain waves, like your synapses all changing their, their neural pathways. They're just like, yep, new path. Let's do it this way. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. And, um, and it's like, it takes a lot of courage to be vulnerable, especially mm-hmm. as a leader, when people are looking up to you Yeah, and there's this idea that, you know, we all have our preconceived notions about what a leader should be. And oftentimes vulnerability isn't one of them. Um, and it takes a lot of courage to say, I'm sorry, when you're in a leadership position, And it takes a lot to admit you're wrong and hold yourself accountable and then not just say that, but then do make a different choice. Um, And so I'm I'm drawn to leaders who are like that Mm -hmm. because I also need that reminder that Mm -hmm. I could do that for myself, whether that's in my professional space or my personal life. and so, yeah, that's something I'm I'm not perfect at, but it's I, it's something that I, I recognize and um, hope to embody more, so that that way the recipient of that knows that they can do that too. Mm, good, I love it, and I'll receive that that you still hang out with me. <laughs> so I must be doing something. Okay, I'll receive that. Mm-hmm. So what is an open, safe, inclusive, and any other word that you like to interject space for you and how do you create it for others? Mm. I've, hmm. That's a really, a lot of layers to that. I know. Especially, I mean, for me being a young woman of color and Filipino-American, there weren't a lot of spaces that was open for me or mm-hmm. a lot of, um, I like to use the, the, this analogy of like the table, right. I, I've been lucky enough to have the privilege to be invited up to, to the table, but a lot mm-hmm. of the times I've never been asked to sit down mm-hmm. or stay long. Mm-hmm. And so I've been really drawn to or rather, I've been really excited to see um, more folks who look like me mm-hmm. and other folks who um, never had a seat at the table or never had a table for them created mm-hmm. before um, being the, the new leaders in the world. And that's been really exciting. And so those spaces, just having the capacity in the space to bring people in and not change anything or put, you know, your own spin, but really holding that space for that other person to thrive and to be uplifted. um, That feels beautiful and great. So it's not just like the diversity in the people, um, whatever that means, um, but also just like really holding space for the diversity of just the work and the the service that's being brought up. And I think that's been really awesome seeing and what I want to um, contribute to in some way, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And yeah, just kind of threading what we've talked about. It's just those spaces that allow you to be courageous and allow you to be vulnerable and make you not necessarily always feel safe, but always brave to Mm. be like, I am sorry, I'm going to try again and make another choice. Mm. Or um, I don't agree with you, but I see you and I respect you. And if you have the capacity for it, let's have a talk and maybe we can do better together. And, and so I've, I've been really craving those spaces where it is, yes, there's a leader who keeps things grounded, but it's collaborative. It's community. We fix problems when we're doing in community, we heal in community and, and, and yeah. So I think those, you know, those, just as I've been talking about expansiveness, it's just like co-creating and safe, inclusive, you know, those spaces, it's like, it really needs to be expansive and include and allow everyone to thrive. Yeah. I love everything you said. There was one thing that just like kept like, I kept like, oh, we got to go back to that. And we could, this might go into a whole other rabbit hole, but you were the word safe because the word that I said was open, safe. And then what I love what you said is like, not it's, you're not always feel safe, but you're brave. I love, 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 love that because that is something we should probably sit with too. And maybe we'll have a whole nomad philosophy day where we sit with this idea of like safe doesn't always mean um like you're physically safe I would like to create a physical safe space but it doesn't always mean that like you were walking on eggshells to keep you there right like you have to be brave in order to feel that and experience that together so thank you for bringing that we won't go down to the rabbit hole today but I I think that's a really important um, moment that we should just like emphasize there because yeah, I think that we've sort of swung the pendulum to the other side of like making sure everybody's safe and it, it like nothing feels good at times because it's like, Oh, I don't want to offend that person. I don't want to offend this person. Like if I have the intention of seeing you and loving you, I'm going to make mistakes. <laughs> I probably have said this to you directly, right? Like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, Leah, but I'm doing my best, right? Like, but you, but you can feel that energy and hopefully, you know, that I'll own up to whatever it is, but it's like, I don't have to like apologize for every little thing just so that you feel like, oh, safe and I don't want to hurt her. Like there's something about that brave, like you said, that invitation to be brave together that creates the safety. I love that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And it's more honest. Yeah. I think where everyone's also craving more honesty and transparency. Mm-hmm. And within that it's, yeah, I'm going to fuck up. Yeah. And I'm going to own up to that upfront and be, and tell you that. And I'm offering you the choice whether to interact with that or not. Mm-hmm. And if you do great. Thank you. Let's learn together. And if not, I wish you peace too. Yeah. So, so yeah. Mm. Okay. I, you know, you and I literally talk like for hours yeah. <laughs> every week. 
I think we're both fascinated by this conversation. I hope other people are listening to it as well, but we should probably start to put the little bow on it. So, but is there anything that you want to emphasize that we talked about today, or is there like anywhere we didn't explore and you feel like we should definitely touch on in terms of this idea of reimagining an embodied world? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know we talked a little bit more so about like people who are running their own business or like actually putting a service or offering out into the world. Um, But what I've, the biggest lessons I've learned about what it means to be a leader, so to speak, is being a leader in my own life. And that I've, if I've been in, and I currently am in the shoes of like moving in a way that isn't always conventional isn't always what other people expected for you or of you. And, um, and so I just offer to those folks that I see you and I, and I hold you and I hold that for you and, and that just continue leading in your life, whatever that looks like and living courageously, making that decision to not do that, whatever it is that someone thought or told you to do, um, because you felt that this was more aligned and this was what your path is to receive more joy in your life, continue on. And the people that, um, the people that see your joy and want to hold that joy with you will come through. And, and yeah, I hope that made sense. Yes. You're such a wise one. (laughs) I, yes, thank you for that. And I just want to say, I want to acknowledge you because I think that it's been such a gift that I've known you. How many years? I don't know. Four, Four, five, five, something. 19 when we met. I feel like I've known you my whole life, Um, (laughs) but I'm like, like half my age. Um, But yes, I, I just, I feel like it's such a gift that I've been able to witness your growth when you did enter in at 19 um, into my teacher training. And I mean, I can still picture, I mean, that was such a different person. Like I know that you were the same person, but like, it's been such a gift to be able to watch you really become this really powerful woman and following the breadcrumbs of all of the curious, you know, the curious breadcrumbs, but really, you know, in a grounded way, like you spoke into earlier, like, I feel like every time I see you take something, you're like, I'm going to do this. I, you know, it just, it's really beautiful to witness. And I, sometimes I look at you, I'm like, man, I wish I was like that when I was in my twenties. Thanks baby. (laughs) I feel like I was such a hot mess, but you know, you just inspire me and I'm just so grateful that you are in my world and you're in nomads world and you're in the world at large because we need, we need your spirit here. It's, it's truly, truly a blessing to be able to walk alongside you. Yeah. I love you you too. I'm going to (laughs) cry. Thank you for having We should go before this crazy. Uh, thank you, Leah. I love you. I love you. Bye. Oh my goodness. I hope that you enjoyed our time with Leah. It was such a joy. As always, I get to sit and chat with Leah all the time, but I hope that you enjoyed our conversation just as much as I did. 
And what I'll leave here with you is, again, if you would love to explore more of these conversations inside of the Reimagining Embodied Leadership Summit, I highly encourage you to follow the link in the show notes and come join us to experience all 30 embodied leaders. And I'm also going to put out there too, if you really resonated with what Leah was sharing about her experience with Movement 109, being a facilitator, I'll invite you into our new program that's launching this month, if you're listening to it as this episode drops. May 17th is our very first day. We are starting the Alchemy for Embodied Leaders. So this is a mastery and a certification program for people who want to really step into that role as a leader, whether you're already in it and you want to up-level it and become more embodied, more empowered, and have more skills, spiritual skills, physical, emotional, all the skills to give you a holistic experience of taking care of yourself and bringing them into these practices of holding spaces for others in any kind of environment. So during the Alchemy for Embodied Leaders program, what we do is we take each month to really dig into a module, into a theme. So I'll use this month as an example is how do we build safety and trust? How do we build safety and trust within ourselves? So that first week, we will explore a little bit of education around how to fe- how our physical body can feel safe in environments. How do we come into regulating our nervous system so that we can make more grounded center choices from a place in our what we call our parasympathetic nervous system? So we move from that rest and digest so we can thrive. And so the second week, what we do is we go into an experience, we dive deeper into what are your fears that are coming up in terms of your own leadership roles? Is it the responsibility of taking care of others or leading others? What does that look like? Do you have a little bit of that imposter syndrome? So we go into practices that will help you with that inquiry and also support you on that inner journey. And then the last half of the month, we really explore how do you hold that space in terms of leading others? How do you create a safe, open, inclusive space for the people that you want to come along on your journey so that they feel that they can thrive? They're not in survival mode, but they can feel they can thrive too. So that's just module one, just month one. It's an eight-month journey. We dig deeper into these types of conversations that we need to have if we're really going to step into this role as an embodied leader. So you can also find the link here in the show notes so you can learn more and apply. And we would love to see you there. I will be guiding you along with seven other embodied leaders along the way. Some of them have been in the, the summit, so you get to know them in the summit and you will get to know them more intimately in this program as well. So lots here for you, my dear friends. It's such a joy always being able to guide you here in the space in between and now go out there and have a beautiful day.